Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who love to read. Readers who love to write. And anyone who loves words. words. Hi. Nice. <laughs> we are talking about science fiction tropes and just some of those common things we see done in science fiction books and movies and um, stories in general. And I'm guessing, Laura, that you have some some list for us. I, I do. Um, I will be linking in several very like exhaustive lists. Um, <laughs> if we tried to like go through each and every one, like sure. we'd be here all day. But what I wanted to kind of start with is what what I love about science fiction TV shows, kind of like your mm-hmm. Star Treks and your you know Doctor Who's and even Eureka. Yeah. What's great is with each show, which each show they can do different tropes. And so yes. if you're ever interested in kind of exploring the gamut of what's out there, <laughs> like binge watching one of those yeah. shows will probably get you in touch with a lot of tropes very quickly. That's <laughs> such a great point. Because pretty much like some I of them. Didn't even think of that, but you're so right. Like it's just every episode's new. <laughs> Exactly. Some of them explore like so much ground. Mm -hmm. And that's actually, it's funny, right? As we're like, really, I had that thought about 20 minutes ago that I'm like, oh, Eureka. Um, the I love that show. So great. (laughs) Such a great show. Like it's funny and it goes Mm -hmm. so many places. You have so many different tropes there. (laughs) Highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. (laughs) But I think as we go through this, it's it's there are so many different great ones out there and there's so sure. much ground to cover. And we're talking about some, you know, things that may have come up in a classic book back in the, you know, towards the 1800s, maybe turn of this century, you get a bunch of different things coming out, you know, mm-hmm. towards the 1960s, you look through movies and classics. Um, and then people are taking those and playing with them in such fun and interesting ways and creating their own which is really cool so even though we may talk I may talk kind of on the movie side or on the kind of where they came from side they're they are they can be used in so many different ways and so frequently and so many different things yeah (laughs) so do we want to just yeah I think just share some of your favorites and we'll just keep going because one of the things that I really love um powerful computers so there's yeah. a lot of interesting things with that. It's the, you know, it is a machine that has been created by human beings that then possibly becomes the source or possible source of their own destruction, yeah. um, which I always find fascinating, like exploring the, that element. So you have like Joshua in war games, you have Skynet in Terminator, and you have Hal 9000 yeah. in 2001, A Space Odyssey, the... I'm sorry, I can't do that. Um, <laughs> Deep Thought in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, which, you know, the classic, what is the meaning of life coming up with the answer of 42, <laughs> which is completely like, again, in accordance yes. with that book for yes. absurdity. <laughs> but even like the source in the Matrix, like that, I think, like, yeah, some of these are like defense type things Mm -hmm. but the matrix i think is fascinating because it starts out being kind of those helper systems that then 
slowly over time becomes that conflict. And what I find interesting about the newest Matrix, which actually just recently came out and Aaron and I saw in theaters, is it kind of questions that binary of that it has to be us versus them Mm. and kind of takes a second look. And Mm. I love something that takes something that we think we know and then subverts, changes, twists. So I found that very satisfactory. (laughs) Do you have any favorites before I go through I love time travel tropes. Like I am here for any time travel tropes. It's (laughs) it's literally the next one on the list for me. (laughs) Should we talk real quick about Doctor Who? Because I know we're Whovians. (laughs) I love the elements of going either direction there. Like being able to go back to experience something as it was. To be able to like recontextualize it even. And kind of ask the question, what is it that we know or that we think we know about the past that yeah. that it may not be the way that we assume. And I love the going into the future, the future. Mm-hmm. and just seeing what's there and exploring kind of the expansiveness of that, yeah. both on a universal and kind of uh, going in different directions that way, but then going different directions along the time continuum. Yes. Yes, I agree. I, I think it's always fascinating to me to see how a storyteller handles time travel too, because there's so many different ways you can yes. handle it and like how much <laughs> or how little you can affect the past is always fascinating yes. to me. And like, it just creates all kinds of interesting questions and interesting scenarios and interesting conflict, I think. And yeah, I mean, from like your classic, like back to the future and yes. <laughs> almost erasing itself to like yes. things where you can't do anything to, to back to the past. And it's more of an observation or a learning something, you know, like you, you get things in the storytelling genre that are all along that spectrum. And I just find it interesting. I'm always so curious, like how, mm-hmm. how a writer is going to handle that, like what they're going to do with it. Well, and it is, it's one of those complicated things that you have to kind of know exactly what your rules are and you have to establish them and that the bringing out the rules is always kind of fun and sometimes they just go for it and like they use it as part of the story to just go through the rules yeah and I love that yeah and then sometimes you're like you're in Terminator and you're trying to figure out what the heck is going (laughs) on and sometimes they don't always follow their own rules and I think that's it's always really interesting. I love the grandfather paradox where it's like, if you went back mm-hmm. and you killed your own grandfather, would you mm-hmm. not be, be born? Um, and visually how Back to the Future shows that yes. element of if if he messes this up, he is literally slowly fading out of existence even though it it may not make perfect sense like we may but it's such great like showing it with the photographs it's just it's such a great visual and it works so well like absolutely and I think even just grappling with the complexity of those things of what is time what is if we make a choice then could it change something in the future I think sometimes it even speaks to the present of yes how much can we impact yeah. our own futures? Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Someone I was hearing talking about time travel said, you know, time travel is actually very new as a 
concept time machine was the first one that really looked at it from that perspective of being able to actively choose where to go on a timeline but yeah by hg wells that you know a christmas carol was actually one of the first books that Mm. explored the ability even if it wasn't in a machine to step back into one's own past and they view one's past and yeah. yeah That's and interesting. I wouldn't have it. thought of that as a time travel story, but no. you're right. It totally is. <laughs> I'm like, Forward oh, and wow. backwards and like, yeah, mind blown. <laughs> well, and you go, you go to the future and like yeah. that element of the dark future that you wish mm-hmm. to avoid coming yes. to pass, um, that feels really in that story too. And yeah. It, I love science fiction and it's funny because I also love a Christmas carol. So all of a sudden I was given this gift of like, oh, there's a connection. But I like that too, of that exploring like how how the choices we make now or how the choices we could have made can have that impact so that it kind of empowers them now and can kind of allow us to remember, oh yes, today, right now, I have the ability to make choices that will lead to different future me's and future moments yeah and and I think that's that's something that as human beings I think it's important to remember that yes we might be in patterns but we can always break free of those patterns we always can make a different choice um and it really explores those elements maybe extrapolating looking at what the possible futures could be hopefully in the you know with the hope to hopefully avoid them um Brian and I often talk about like doing things for our future selves. Like, yes. like I don't want to do the dishes right now, but my future self is going to help me. It's going to thank me. So I'm going to do the dishes. Like, like, give me that like gift. little things like that. It is. It's, you can almost think of this as like another person you're gifting something to. Like, yes. That yeah. future you. And yeah. I do think that has a powerful motivation like yeah. tied to it because yes, the person who is me next week is going to wish I had like done this thing or like gotten the groceries or, you know, kind of realizing that that person is not here yet, but when they are born into this world, in that future, they, they will appreciate what you have done. Well, and even as a writer, I mean, how often do we say like, I wish I had started this three years ago or five years ago or 10 years ago, or, but the same is true right now. Like so often we think like, oh, I should have started before. And so we don't start now, but we can think instead, like, I can start now so that five years from now, me will thank me for starting now. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, and it kind of short circuits that guilt, right? That feeling of guilt and shame of not having done it before. You Mm -hmm. can remind yourself that it's never too late. And today is the day that we save it. (laughs) And again, it's kind of that mind playing tricks on you that you're like, well, I didn't do it. So it's almost like you pretend that, yeah, that, oh, it's the parade has passed me by. And it's like, (laughs) no, no, the point is get to it. Like you, time is a finite resource. And I love looking at it in that way of like, you are paying that time to something. So might as well pay it to yourself if you can. Like, obviously there are things we have to pay it to that are just, you know, like bills, like (laughs) not fun, but recognizing that that resource can be used in ways that will be rewarding down the road. Yeah. I love that. What's Mm. one of your other um, favorite choices? First though, since it's smaller, butterfly effect. I love it. I'm totally here for it. Give me butterfly effect over and over again. And just, letting that one small thing change 
the future and I get to see where it goes. You know, the original being kind of the sound of thunder by Ray Bradbury, but Mm. even the movie butterfly effect um, was interesting and fascinating as it explored that. And I think kind of looking at, you know, sometimes we go into something with the best of intentions and it's like, oh, but we have these rules in place that will keep it safe. And then you go and do something really stupid and it completely (laughs) just plays everything. <laughs> that um seeing the consequences of small actions i agree it can be so fascinating and so a little terrifying but also yes. like <laughs> it's true i think recognizing that you know even if we're not going in backwards like mm-hmm. realizing the ways in which our small choices our small actions yeah. do have those ripple effects that can be felt in yeah. in odd ways and kind of Maybe even just taking that care, possibly. Yeah. <laughs> Linked into this is, um, I have to mention it because I just love it so much. Um, the Air Affair kind of does every trope. Like yes. they, they just throw in tons and tons of tropes. So I'm just going to mention it once so I don't mention it <laughs> 50,000 times. But there's all these little teeny tiny changes that keep happening. And the yes. time... <laughs> the time police keep making small adjustments and here a banana shows up and it's just it's pure delight when you keep having like something change and in the lead characters present like something that wasn't there a week ago all of a sudden shows up and she makes the assumption that it's always been there and that's just delightful yes it's a great book it's totally <laughs> random and like so random. absurd but it's wonderful yeah it's, it's literally just a bunch of things packed into a novel which can be really fun yes. and written by a bibliophile which is great like having yes, that combination so many references to loves, yeah who just loves books um and then connected with it is of course time loops which we've mm. talked about yes very recently with the opposite of always i love the idea of the closeness of a time loop. It's almost Mm. like a vacuum where you can change all these different variables and see how they impact that loop. And then it's like having to try to get those variables right to break free. That can be really fun. It's almost like an experiment on a certain period of time, like um, repeating it to get a different outcome yeah absolutely and actually there's I love the movie Edge of Tomorrow um, which is also called Live Die Repeat and I recently um, in preparation for this conversation read the book that it was translated from it's called um, All You Need Is Kill um, (laughs) and it's by Hiroshi uh, Shakurazaka and it's a fascinating look at human nature in survival situations. I'd say Mm -hmm. that the movie does it as well to some extent, but the book, it's humans basically facing their last possible battle. If they Mm -hmm. lose this, they are all lost. And the high, high stakes associated with it are fascinating because basically you have this soldier who time is resetting for, and there's a story reason why it is. Um, he's been basically the enemy is able to reset time, and he, in killing one of these, like a certain one, 
is given the power to also reset time. Uh And so it evens the playing field a little bit, but both of them, like on both sides of the equation are trying, <laughs> trying to reset not, it to get the outcome. Reset they want. it to get the outcome they want. Interesting, yeah. So it's fascinating because you have a lot the same character experiencing a lot of different things and going through yeah. a lot of different moments and kind of running the gamut of human response to that type of almost no win scenario. So it's fascinating. I would, I would highly yeah. recommend it. And it uses the time loop so well in in a way that really feels satisfying but that doesn't retread ground and like Mm. we said about opposite of always I think that's the downside of that is you can almost feel like you're going over and over and over again that same one which I think actually Dr. Strange the Marvel movie does a very interesting job of that in that he almost says this line like 20 to 30 times in the movie like he you know is constantly walking up to that monster saying its name and you're like oh my goodness how many times can we hear him say that um so it's something that's fun to play with I think for sure (laughs) I love language and so translation devices can be really fun for me when it kind of or like translation problems yes (laughs) complications because two people can't understand each other or yeah absolutely which I I talked recently when we were talking about the general one about arrival and it unpacks this inability to communicate and communicate well. well it, it's mm-hmm. almost like when they communicate, they're communicating um, once they develop the translation, which takes a lot of time, they are still very shallow. Sure. Nouns, things to, you can point to. Things like, absolutely. Yeah. And a word comes up and the word is a weapon. And that's mm. the word that the humans have mm. that comes up um, in their translation of what the alien is trying to say. And so obviously it's like dropping <laughs> something into that moment. And I like how it sits and struggles with that. Um, I think yeah. we don't realize how our ability to communicate with one another even with ourselves when we're speaking the same language or when we're even like thinking through a problem, sometimes even communicating you, you, uh, you can't find the words, you can't find a way to really properly express. And so when you're, when your language is different and when the words you have at your disposal aren't as nuanced, yes, it, it can be one of those fascinating things to look at. It creates really interesting conflicts in a yes. story. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. Yeah. And then I thought we had to mention the babblefish from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy because I just thought that was a really great, easy mechanism to just put something Solution. in someone's ears. Yeah. <laughs> and whenever someone does something like that, where like all of a sudden your brain is translating, I'm like, it's the babblefish and I love it. I'm here for the babblefish every time. I agree. <laughs> we've talked a little bit about it but kids and ufos for some reason yes always works like i i don't know why but it's kind of like kids and dinosaurs right kids and aliens or kids and ufos absolutely well and the kids and dinosaurs i've been thinking about that i'm like Mm -hmm. i'm not sure it would work without like jurassic park not sure it would work without the kids yeah et you have to have the kids yeah 
absolutely. Uh, <laughs> but Super 8, you know, we were talking about when the sky fell on Splendor and mm-hmm. all of these, because they have kids experiencing something new, exciting, it has that sense of adventure to it in yes. addition to everything that follows next, even if it is It scary. doesn't feel just yeah. solely terrifying. Yes. <laughs> it has this element of wonder to it. Yeah. yeah. Even even if it is still scary. Absolutely. Like stranger things. I sit through some of those episodes and I'm like, I don't feel safe. (laughs) But then the parts with the kids are so much fun and the rapport that they have with each other and the scene kids grow up again yeah. it like taps back into that goonies that 1980s yes kids film bicycles like all of yes. that feels really like nostalgic yes. and warm it's like, like happy <laughs> totally uh, so I love that I'm happy place. That. I agree totally <laughs> I think that then goes into you know first contact yeah. Or alien invasion. Like you have your first contacts, which is like Carl Sagan's contact, the sure. movie and the book. And then you have like, you know, the day the earth should still close encounters of the third kind. So things that are kind of, maybe there's a positive here. <laughs> and then you have the opposite of that, which is like, they show up and they literally just want to kill everyone. And take, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which, you know, we could mention so many, but War of the Worlds by H.G. Wells, I think yeah. is one of the <laughs> classic of just, it captures the fear, like the essence, the claustrophobia, the the single kind of viewpoint yeah. of, of that story. Like, mm-hmm. you know, how it would feel from a not having any power to the individual rather than yeah. for a country I mean you feel that a little you feel that on a different scale in things like Independence Day and you know things that kind of take it in a different direction and then you have like the insidious invasions it it explores those feelings of uncertainty and of how could you tell like Aaron and I have this joke sometimes when he does something weird like he started drinking coffee and I'm like, I'm looking for the zipper I'm looking for the zipper. <laughs> because when it's something like so out of character, even though yeah. like, obviously people change. Right. I think it explores that though. Like sometimes people change and they change quickly and you're like, wait, are, are you that person? Like, are you, yes. are you wearing a suit of that person or are you really that person? And I think that's interesting. There's, there's actually... Stephanie Meyer actually has a book called The Host, which kind of takes, it took the like invasion of the body snatchers and those things and kind of made it into a YA romance. It actually was one that came out before Twilight. And it's not, you know, it's not the perfect book, but I found Uh it interesting in that explored that within a different context than I'd ever seen. Yeah. And kind of put it into that YA feeling and then it put you into the perspective of the host and all of that uh, interesting choices I think that looking at you don't have to tell a story through the lens that it's always been told from sometimes Mm -hmm. switching the lens Mm -hmm. makes for a more interesting take on whatever it is so also, we have to talk about faster than light travel because like yes. the backable fish, <laughs> I love the simplicity of the solution that they're like, 
well, we'll just we'll just make it really, really fast. Like, <laughs> and then we'll get across the universe because it's just really fast. Like, yes. you know, warp drives, you have the you know, light speed, mm-hmm. um, the in, infinite improbability drive. And it's like yes. a guide, which literally you can pop. I've seen um, some with like gates recently or like, what was the book yes. I was reading just recently that had that, you know, and then you get like cry- cryosleep in that too. I think like yeah. it's just the ways that storytellers handle that problem. Like, how am I going to get yes. someone from point A to <laughs> really, really, really far away um, in a short period of time? I love the um, intricacies of the solution when yeah. they need to do a certain thing. Like yes. the Martian needed to have time. Hmm. They needed to have lots and lots of time. So they actually, they made it possible to go to Mars, but they made it two years to go to Mars. Hmm. And so they played with that in that, that allowed everyone else to be doing something while she's on Mars trying to survive. Right. And and that's, that's always fun to see like why the choice was made to do it a certain way. And with cryo sleep, it is one of those ways that you can kind of speed up to the good part because then they wake right. up <laughs> right. when, they're, when they're there exactly. or when they're like slowing down and it's like oh, okay here is where the good you know they get on the ship go into cryo sleep and then you yeah. wake them up and it's great <laughs> there's interstellar the movie does it plays around with time a lot and mm-hmm. the faster than light travel mm-hmm. and then it gives you complicated situations in which time moves at different speeds for different mm. characters and I thought that was fascinating too the play of someone is in space someone is going down to a world where time moves so quickly because of its location to a black hole and huh. when they get back that character thought that they were you know completely gone and they were never coming back and he's aged 20 yeah. years um so like the things you can do with that, you know, wormholes, yes. there's just so much, there's so much to play with and you can create your own, which is great. Yes. I love like stargates and, or even like having there's these little things in Star Wars that in order to get around that for the little planes, they like attach a little halo around it. So we <laughs> yes. can move quickly. And you're like, I love that. I'm here for all of that invention. <laughs> We will mention it really quickly because we've talked about it previously, but Parallel Worlds. Is, I was just, again, yeah, yeah, that's another favorite. I'll, I'm always here for Parallel Worlds. Infinitely fun yes. because you can do so many different things. You can have completely different worlds or worlds that are just micro differences, yeah. like an interworld, major yes. differences, micro differences. You can play with it. The, the Loki series actually, um, does some yeah going off on that and kind of the different iterations of loki then become really fun and weird and you have a crocodile and you're like why yes. but it's, it's parallel universes right Sorry. you can do anything like, yeah, no rules <laughs> i read the um, dark matter last year and that was i think that's the last parallel universe book i've re- read and it was great it had a really interesting creative take I think on the parallel world but that's another thing that's really interesting to me too about parallel worlds is how the author or storyteller chooses to show that or have people like usually in a parallel world story you have traveled between these parallel worlds and so how that happens is always like an interesting problem or solution or you know like it's, it's always a little different and that's fascinating to me the creativity there is really interesting 
Right. It's fascinating to see. Is it a machine? Is it a like special? uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it'd be almost anything. (laughs) I mean, it could be a cube that you're like, the cube does it. That's pretty much what you, you press a button, <laughs> but that's, that's, what's great about, again, the no rules, like as long as you believe it, like yeah. your reader will believe it. And, yeah. and it's amazing. The weird things that we're like, oh yeah, that's, that's that, that does that, yes. that machine does this. <laughs> it's great to see the solutions there. Yeah, I agree. All right. What else you got for us? Uh, science and technology speak, which yes. we cannot <laughs> ignore. It's like medical speak, but better yes. because literally it's so hand wavy. <laughs> right? And that's what's amazing about it. And so I, in preparing for this, I was trying to find a really good example. And actually one that came up in my head, it was Shuri, as she's talking to the Hulk in uh, Infinity War, <laughs> they're talking about how the Mind Stone is connected to vision. And so <laughs> she's looking at it in kind of this 3D image and she's like, the structure is paramorphic. Like she's dumbfounded. <laughs> and he's like, right, we had to attach each neuron non-sequentially. And she looks at him and is like, why didn't you just reprogram the synapses to work collectively? And he like looks so abashed and ashamed. And he's like, because we didn't think of it. (laughs) And she responds with, I'm sure you did your best. And this is my favorite moment of tech speak because she just slam dunked on every single one of the Avengers who did that, like to vision, like she's talking to Tony Stark, you know, like all of them. And I love that just with, three sentences we establish that her understanding of this yes. technology is superior. There are also three sentences that don't really make sense. You know, it's like, just techno babble. But it, it doesn't it doesn't yeah. matter that it doesn't make sense because the important Absolutely. thing is just that that she figured something out that they didn't. Absolutely. And that's the power of techno babble yeah. is you pull in different things like neurons I know, synapses sure. I get. Yes. Like and then other things that sound like they make sense <laughs> and then you know, I you kind of just like hand wave over it and yes. it's like it's good. I and you know, again it's watching like Listen to anything that Han says about the ship in Star Wars. <laughs> Listen to really like when anyone is doing anything with the computers in Star Trek to isolate something yeah. or to, you know, talking every time Scotty is talking about the ship and the core, yes. you're like, that's just, <laughs> it's just hand wavy. I love yeah. that ejecting the core is usually the solution. And yes. you're like, I have no idea why. <laughs> or Aaron was gave to me you know aligning the the dish yeah who knows what it does but we buy it (laughs) everything doctor who says to explain things squiggly wiggly (laughs) timey-wimey oh my goodness we need to put that entire thing up like timey-wimey wibbly-wobbly I I just whoever wrote that bless you and like chef's kiss to that (laughs) that's just I think that's part of the delight is yeah, we know that that's hand waving, like, but yes. we like get giddy over it. Like, yes. we it's a little nod to like, your audience. It's like, okay, I know you know what I'm doing here, but I'm going to do it anyway, and you're going to enjoy it. And we're like, oh, yeah, I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> we're here, we're here for it. Absolutely. And the more absurd, sometimes the better it works. Yes. Like, 
Yep. I'm just here for it. (laughs) (laughs) And a newer one, I mean, not new, new, but one that I really like is kind of the exploration of alien friendships and like finding Mm -hmm. that the ways in which we intersect. Um, Binti does a great job of that, like the entire Binti novellas and, and also using some of that to reflect back on our own, what we carry. But I think the left hand of darkness does a great job of that. And it actually explores that gender differences and assumptions within it. And I think using that um, arrival, actually, that I mentioned before about communication explores it too. Mm -hmm. I think when we explore that commonality of life yes um that can be fascinating too and like unpacking the assumptions that we make by being able to interact with someone who doesn't have that baggage um space westerns we just we don't have to go too far but but the lived in world being able to look at kind of that no rules that frontier kind of yeah. feel. Yes. Every person for themselves. And even exploring that, the like limits that we're willing to not get involved. Um, yeah. Westworld was one that Aaron came up with. I think when all rules are removed, like, yeah. who are you? Yeah. Um, type of thing. Firefly and Serenity. Yeah, I was going to say Firefly is definitely uh, in that category. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here for it. Uh, and that's exactly I. what I liked about Firefly and the possibility within it is it explores so many different people and, and yeah. some very odd yeah. relationships even. Like, yeah, you look at these people who become this, you know, it's, it's a beautiful, like chosen family that is just so bizarre because they're they are such different personalities but I love it. And I love yeah. how it shows that you can kind of see, you can find those the commonalities that, even within yeah, the differences that yeah. connect you. And sometimes the people you're least like, mm-hmm. sometimes they can teach you about yourself and kind of yeah. let you explore that. I always enjoyed that about the TV show. And then when Serenity came along, just being able to kind of explore that world a little mm-hmm. farther was fascinating and, and really get a little more into the characters themselves. And and then Star Wars, of course, is the like classic lived-in worlds. That's yes, really, Tatooine is totally that Wild West. Yes. Do you mind if we do like two Let's, more? Yes, I was okay. Yes. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say maybe one or two more, and then okay, okay, three then. <laughs> <laughs> just real quick, because lots of dystopian do- deal with the suppression of art or the control yes. of art and the, yes. or the destruction of art, which I think is very. It's important, at least in my opinion, because mm-hmm. art contains all those, the things that we tell to each other through those expressions that aren't language, you know, sometimes they're yeah. language, but sometimes they transcend. Well, the and often it- that beauty is what makes life worth living, right? Yes! Like, oh my. It's a good dark world. <laughs> yes. There's this beautiful scene in the movie Equilibrium where you have yes. a character played by Sean Bean and he's holding up a book of poetry and he... He's quoting and he says, you know, tread softly for you tread on my dreams. And he knows he's about to die. Mm-hmm. You get this character who you didn't really know what his, where he was coming from before this, because he's actually one of the people who destroys the art. He is a spy and he 
appreciates what it is that they're doing and he's been trying to kind of counter it and it's just this moment of tragic beauty of what he says actually transfers to the character who ends up killing him and I just I loved I loved that it's one of the most sad but poetic moments and there's several beautiful moments there and yeah of course we can't ignore Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury which really that one kind of takes its cues from um with the book burning um how that then harkens back to how books art have been destroyed previously um in our history and to basically try to expunge those ideas yes um V for Vendetta touches on it too, but I, I just thought it was, it is a really common. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have thought of that one, but it is really common and in a lot of sci-fi and and dystopian. And then cyborgs, um, we have to, just just a little, um, which the, the kind of the connection of the, the wounds and the things that kind of where we've lost our humanity, the play of that, the Mm -hmm. using it as a way to show a character that has had humanity stripped from them like for yeah. instance cinder by marissa meyer i just think that there's a lot of play you can do with the person who has cybernetic parts someone who is not fully human anymore because mm-hmm. too much has been taken away like i just think you can play with that so well um, yeah for sure and it's fascinating and then lastly like going into worlds that are within the society so like the vr or going into uh-huh. like software that's harkens back to the matrix but i'm thinking you know like your ready player ones to yes. look at escapism yes. um the distractiveness that takes us away from the world that we've created that is falling apart um yeah and kind of playing with that duality and that uncomfortableness i think um, you even get that in like disney movies with like yeah. wally and um there's another yeah, wreck it ralph yeah um which i love free guy i don't know if anyone's seen free guy (laughs) it's interesting because it actually looks it does it like plays with the ai trope Uh as well about a program that has been created by a human being but has human characteristics and Mm -hmm. um the world in which it's set which is dystopian um Mm -hmm. so it almost becomes this like inner dystopian where you have the outer world kind of yeah impacting on the inner it's it's a fascinating look at that playing with that and yes. you know tron legacy and the original tron played with that too in the 1980s which i watched like when i was a little kid <laughs> and i love seeing the evolution of those ideas of yes. like what that means and what that looks like and the fears of then versus the fears of now uh, we could keep talking for yes. like five social trumps for a while. There's a lot here. Absolutely, like romance trumps. <laughs> but I am here for them, and this yes. is really fun. We will end here, yes. and we would love for you to find us on Instagram. It's Fable and the Verbivore, and we would love to hear your favorite science fiction tropes. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review because that helps other people find us, and just um share the love and yeah we hope that you keep reading keep writing and keep putting your voice out into the world and use all the tropes use them